Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's business soup. I'm John Dippavoise, and on this serving, we're going to be talking about the next pandemic, the legal pandemic. John Gomez from the Gomez Legal Group will be joining us to talk about what's on the horizon. The sharks are circling. Look out, folks. You could lose it all from a virus. Pull up a chair, sit on down. Business soup is about to be served. John, welcome to Biz Soup Podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. John, you are a general legal firm based out of San Diego, and you have been dealing with and anticipating what is going to be the emergence of litigation involving what is going to be the result of the virus, the COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. What was it that made you think that there was going to be litigation that would come from that? Well, you know lawyers. Uh, Lawyers like to sue. And this obviously is the largest economic event of our time. And so I anticipated that lots of lawyers like me would uh, attempt to find opportunities and that there would be a lot of litigation coming out of this. When you're in the courtroom, which side of the room are you on typically in defense of the small business? I'm usually uh, suing on behalf of a plaintiff. Sometimes, you know, I can sue on behalf of a small business, but I'm always on the side of the party that's bringing the lawsuit. So for this serving of business soup, I want to know how my audience can stay out of your range. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Um, And so I'm happy to talk about that. I think that small businesses have exposure in a number of areas. The first being employment cases. And so obviously we've all been told to, shelter in place, you know, keep our employees at home. Right. What you don't want to do is terminate someone's employment or retaliate against them for doing what the governor's ordered them to do. Now, what would be an example of retaliatory activity as you just described? I've got five employees and one of them insists upon sheltering in place consistent with the governor's orders. And I don't give that person a promotion or I demote that person or I give that person uh, worse assignments, that kind of thing would be retaliation. And so you want to be real careful about that. want to be real careful about saying anything or emailing anything or texting anything, which makes clear that you don't approve of them working remotely or following the law. Just be really careful about any of that right now. And so by emailing anyone saying, you know what, I don't care for John over here, he's paranoid. I don't like that. That's not a good thing to say about me if I was working in an office or being on a remote location. Oh, that would be a bad thing to to put in writing. I think we all know as uh, (laughs) small business owners, you know, that we don't want to put things in emails uh, that we don't want showing up in court. But I'm here to tell you, as a lawyer that brings these lawsuits, you definitely don't want that. Well, I recall as a young child when I was competing in sports, my mother told me, don't ever do anything that you have to explain that is on the front page of the newspaper. That's good advice. And for the most part, I followed that advice. It was never on the front page, thankfully. But nevertheless, same thing in the social media or in the electronic communication. You type it, you send it, it's there forever and can be found by the likes of, well, lawyers such as yourself. 100%. 
My job today is to make sure that your clients don't meet me in an adverse environment. And of course, with my business audience of small business owners, we're not advocating that you try to get around things. We're trying to give you a heads up as to how to avoid a problem before it happens. And that way you save money. And boy, there's nothing worse than getting sued. Now, getting back to the COVID-19 and the law, what about the insurance coverage that most small businesses have? Is there any insurance that is covering for something like this? And is this considered an act of God? Yeah, that's a great question. So right now, I'm actually representing um, many, many small business owners in uh, regards to their claims against their insurance companies. And so pretty much every policy will have what's called business interruption coverage. Right now, every carrier is denying those claims Every carrier is denying business interruption claims. Is that just like, we'll tell them no at first and then we'll filter through the ones that come back a second and third try? I don't think so. I think it's more a question of if they have to pay on these policies, it's going to be billions of dollars. And so they need to draw a line in the sand and stand upon what they believe the policies say. And so they take the position that these are not covered events that business interruption insurance is really for what we call physical loss or damage to the property, like, you know, a, you know, a pipe breaks or you have a fire or something like that. And that a government shutdown and or a coronavirus is not a physical damage to the property. And so they're going to flat out deny these until a court orders them to pay. All right. So the fact that a business is lost, whether it be a physical damage or in this case, uh, a shutdown of business because of a virus, a tornado has the same effect as this. It takes away your business or your opportunity to exchange commerce. And so there is a difference between that. Yeah, just the way the, the policies are written, the insurance companies are saying that they're limited to shutdowns caused by basically physical damage to the property or by civil authority based upon physical damage to property. You know, so we have these orders by governors and mayors and, and what have you basically saying that many small businesses cannot operate. But the insurance companies are saying, well, based upon how we read the policy, um, you don't get any money. And so what's happening is small businesses are being forced to hire lawyers to press their claims against the insurance companies. And they really have no choice. Um, so, you know, it would be my advice that, that small businesses that have the coverage and whether they made the claim yet or not, that they should seek an attorney. And when you go into court and you, you're making these claims on behalf of your small business clients or multiple clients saying that these insurance companies purposely did not pay out because they're doing a holding out to see who survives, who can last the longest in litigation, is there truly a claim that you can go after on these policies or is it just nebulous based upon interpretation? You know, it's kind of an open question. And there's case law that says if it's ambiguous, then the policies are constructed in a manner most favorable to the insured or here the small business owner. And so it's something that the courts are going to have to decide and they'll decide it one way or the other. There's cases out there that are kind of similar. You know, there's some cases involving riots, that kind of thing. But the courts eventually will have to decide. 
Now, we certainly know how long that takes. That could take years. Yeah, I think really the timing of that, say that you lose income for, say, three months, and the coverage is really for profit. So, you know, say that you're losing $50,000 for three months, you're probably not going to actually see that money unless there's some settlement, you know, which could happen. But if the thing went all the way to decision, that's certainly going to go on appeal. That's certainly maybe going to be appealed to the Supreme Court. It could be two to three years. Talking with John Gomez from the Gomez Law Firm, talking about how to cover your assets, folks, making sure that you can stay out of the courtroom by taking suggestions from an attorney that could be taking you to court. And we appreciate your time coming in here, John. What are some of the other things that are involved with the virus? If my employee gets sick while working in my facility, say a grocery store or one of these services or businesses that's deemed essential, they get sick. Am I considered to be at fault? Uh, You could be. And so basically in these times, you want to make sure that you're bringing your claims. So the small business owners should bring their own insurance claim. Um, They should make sure they don't get sued. So that could happen in an employment context. It could also happen, like you're saying, in basically an injury or death context, and that would be the absolute worst. And so say you have an employee that's sick and that employee, it's known to that person and their their manager that they're sick. And you say, hey, you know, we're short staffed, you know, keep them there. And then an elderly person comes in, has contact with them, you know, gets COVID and dies. You know, you're looking at a possible wrongful death lawsuit. That would not be good, right? And so I would encourage small businesses to really follow best practices. If you got a sick employee, they got to go home or it has to be quite clear they can't come in. Take every precaution out there about providing a safe environment if you remain open and interacting with the public. Would this be something that you have seen in employee manuals or in dealing with situations like this, or should this be an addition to an employee manual that every employee signs considering what's happened? Yeah, 100%. To protect yourself, you should have a supplemental policy, you know, that you write up. You know, you can, if you have a lawyer, you know, you can have a lawyer help you, but it's not very hard. Basically, getting the employee to agree and understand the severity and importance of safe practices, have them sign it, maybe having some trainings, maybe just do what you can. You know, one, because you don't want to cause someone to get sick or die just because, you know, you're all good people and good business people. But two, that's going to help you in the event of a lawsuit. Talking with John Gomez from the Gomez Legal Firm in San Diego, my hometown. And John, when you say that, certainly you don't want to get anybody sick and such, but what if the person does get sick while they're on job and they are infected? And I'm only talking about from the business owners protecting them, their employees and such, from other people coming through, like the person on the other side of the cash register. They hand you the money. As a business owner, could I be secondarily or primarily at fault for their illness and their sick leave or any other litigation aspect? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you have an employee that comes in and that employee is manifesting symptoms. You know, that person at at the time that they're working for you, they're they're in the course and scope of their employment, you know, so you are responsible for even their negligence. So, say that they don't even tell anybody else. 
and they get somebody sick. You know, you, in theory, you are responsible. You know, you've also got issues like workers' compensation. If that employee gets sick on the job or gets other employees sick on the job, that workers' compensation is going to pick that up as a covered event. Um, and, you know, most importantly, you just don't want, um, you know, any interacting with that person or, or, you know, because of your unsafe practices at, at your uh, business, you know, getting sick and or dying. Do whatever you could possibly do to make sure that um, you're following every safe practice that you can. John, I'm not hearing what I want to hear as far as a small business owner. It's sounding very doom and gloom. What is the best way to protect my assets from third-party litigation, from whether it be the COVID or anything else? Is it best to have my properties, my business in trusts, corporations, LLC? What's my best way to protect myself from you? Well, I think the best way to protect yourself is, you know, not to do anything that could get you sued. <laughs> oh, now, that's going to happen anyway. So that happens right. to every business. Yes. So what is the most difficult thing for you to pierce? Is it a corporation, LLC? You know, everybody makes mistakes. Whether they are at fault or not, businesses get sued. To be sure. So how do I protect myself? Well, most businesses have insurance. And for me, that's the first place that I look. You know, so if you have insurance that's sufficient, then, you know, we're not going to be looking to, to pierce the corporate veil for the most part or, or, or seize personal assets. And so to me, that's the smartest thing you can do is just carry a sufficient insurance policy. Otherwise, um, in, in terms of breaking through a trust or a corporation or an LLC, um, if it gets to that point, you know, we have collection lawyers that, that do that. John, you specialize in, obviously, litigation in your firm, the Gomez Legal Group out of San Diego, and you shared with us the possibilities that could happen to small businesses in the COVID virus. Well, let's talk about the more common and more frequent disasters, small business liability. In covering our assets, if I'm a retailer, my door Swings both ways. People are coming through. They're taking my product off a shelf or off of a hanger, and they're paying me, and they're walking out the door. What are the top three ways in which I can get myself sued as a small business owner? I've done a lot of slip and fall cases. I've sued smaller businesses and larger businesses. I've sued Starbucks, El Pollo Loco, all the way through trial. And it's astounding to me how many businesses don't have good slip and fall policies in place. You know, they might have something kind of loosey-goosey in their manual, but they don't practice it. Some of them obviously might not be legitimate, but some are very much so and can cause things from serious orthopedic injuries all the way to very serious brain injuries. I've obtained a $16 million verdict against El Pollo Loco, a $7.5 million verdict against Starbucks. So you don't want that to happen. And so I would just say, never leave a floor wet when you have customers in the store. And so, you know, what do I mean by that? You know, sometimes there will be a spill or something and the employee will mop it up and maybe they'll throw a cone down or not. You'd be surprised at how often they don't. But, you know, the better practice is just to never leave the floor wet with customers in the store. You can dry it off with like towels or something. You can right. have one employee. Yeah, you can have one employee stand there to make sure employee 
Uh, customers don't walk through there while the other employees going off to get the towels. You know, so I, I would say just be really diligent about that. Now, one of the things that I've noticed in grocery stores is the frequency that they have the employees going up and down each aisleway, sweeping it, keeping the aisles clean, and they keep a log of it. I imagine that that comes into play in the event that someone has a slip and fall and they claim that the store is negligent because they allowed that product, whether it be dry or wet, to be on the floor. Sweep logs are really good. The, the situation arises, say you do have a grocery store and a customer, you know, drops a tomato on the ground or something like that. And then another customer is right behind them and they slip and fall. Under those circumstances, the store really isn't at fault, right? Because right. they didn't create that condition and they didn't have time to, to notice it and clean it up. And so, you know, sweep logs, really important. Video, very important. Assuming, you know, that you're following safe practices, if you're not, the video might not be good for you. But by and large, I think it's <laughs> double-edged <laughs> sword. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. But if you're doing what you're supposed to do, video is very important sure. and helpful to you. And so, yeah, I think sweep logs, video, and just following good practices. What will happen is there will be a spill, then they mop it, and they just leave it all wet and slippery. And then, you know, that's a bad situation. All right, so a small business can reduce, but they can't prevent all slip and falls. But if they have a, an employee that goes through the aisles making sure that they are clean and then logs that they did that inspection, that will help them in any eventual litigation of a slip and fall or injury from the product. Yeah, that will help them, definitely. Okay. So who is a bigger threat to my business? Is it the driver in my business or is it my son? Well, I don't, I don't know how your son drives or, or what he does, but uh, yeah, drivers um, are, uh, can be exposed to a lot of liability. And so we sue a lot of companies based upon what their drivers do. And so, you know, you've aptly identified a huge risk component of having a small business. Now, we've seen a lot of these delivery vans that are coming around from Amazon to uh, that are branded, and there are others that are not. Are they typically employees? Are they independent contractors? And if so, how are they covered under the possibility of backing into my car or running over my dog, for that matter, coming up and down my driveway? Delivery drivers can be either independent contractors and or employees. It really doesn't matter, um, you know, from our perspective insofar as they're acting as agents for the company. And they're going to be typically under the company's insurance policy. Right. So, uh, you know, if basically if you're driving a vehicle for an insured company, then we're going to be suing the company. If the driver of that vehicle, whether an employee or a, an independent contractor, of course, the vehicle is registered in some name that is tied back to me. If that driver is at fault for doing something, does that liability factor its way down to me because I'm considered the deep pocket? Well, not because you're considered the deep pocket, but because that driver is your agent under the law. And so whether they're an employee or you've hired them through some other uh, employment arrangement to drive your stuff around, you know, then they're driving for you and, you know, we're going to sue you, especially if you have a big Amazon thing on the side. 
Um, and, and most times drivers that are driving kind of captive vehicles, most of those are going to be employees for the company. With that driver, I would just make sure that you run a good DMV check on that person, have super uh, strict policies about texting and driving because they'll all text and drive. Believe me, they'll all text and drive. <laughs> the policy should be they're not even permitted, you know, to have their, their phone with them or, or something that, that makes it very, very difficult for them to, to do that because they'll do it if you allow them to. What about the importance or is it important to have these digital cameras that are in the windshield that are recording not only where you're going, but what the driver is doing? Very helpful. Great thing to have in place. But, you know, as long as you're looking at it and the, and the driver knows you're looking at it, because otherwise all you're going to get is a video of that person texting while they plow into somebody. You know, like it, they, it has to be an effective deterrence. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're just going to be creating evidence because... It's uncanny. It's unbelievable how how often, you know, these folks just drive down the freeway and look right and left, including people in commercial vehicles. They're all texting or, you know, looking at Facebook, who knows what. So it is important to have that type of surveillance for, for not only to make sure that the enforcement of the employee policy, but also what other idiots on the road that might be texting might do to cause an accident to you and you might end up hitting them. 100%. Yep. All evidence is good. All right. So we've covered the slip and fall and the idiots behind the wheel. What would be the third biggest and easiest thing for me to to trip over my own self and get sued? I think the the nastiest thing out there right now is sexual harassment, Me Too kind of stuff. And a lot of times, well, all the time, your normal liability policy isn't going to cover you. And assume that you get dragged into that litigation and you're throwing your own dollars at it. That's a bad place to be. And so, you know, you just have to be very, very, very diligent about having good policies in place and and making sure you're providing the training and really, really enforcing that. Make sure you don't have some rogue manager, you know, that's trying to hit on the new employee. That's not good. If anyone would like a guide to Workman's Comp on how to make sure that you have the right manuals and the employee manuals, go to BizSoup and go to our five points. It's free. Check it out. We have all the tips, tools, techniques, and applications to write your own available through our partners. We don't ever want you to have to be forced to meet our guest here, John Gomez. Right, John? I can get you some insurance money, you know, so you should probably meet me that way, but you don't want to meet me in these other cases. Well, John, I'll leave it at that, that may we only meet on social gatherings and and for the moment over the airwaves. So (laughs) there's so many other things that we can go into from workman's comp to OSHA to so many other ways in which to get sued. As everybody knows in the audience, the three biggest deal killers are legislation, regulation, and litigation. Avoid them all by getting involved. Well, John, I want to thank you for being a part of this serving of Business Soup. If our audience, anyone wants the five points on how to cover your assets provided through Gomez Law Firm, please go to Biz Soup and check out the interview and the links to John's website and contact information, as well as our five points to covering your assets, folks, on the coronavirus is right there for you. And there's never a charge on BizSoup. John, thanks for being a part of the BizSoup podcast. Thanks for having me. 
This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.